So, as I was saying, so we're in a series um, called The Stories, and this will actually be the, the end of it, but I'm going to pick it back up later in the year, so you come back. Uh, so, but I, th- I thought it would be good to end on this because I want to talk about, so the premise of the stories is about God's interaction with his story. Did you know that? That from the very beginning to the end, it's really one story about God's interaction with his creation, right? What happens, what, what happens when we walk away from him? And what happens and what he did to bring us home to him. That's the gist of it. And, and then it's going to tell us when he comes back and, and finishes it. And uh, fixes everything that we broke. But in, in the midst of that, there's a lot of little stories. Stories about people like you and me. Now see, you've been raised to think most of the time that they are either characters in a book. Right? Mythological, like Hercules. Right? They are mythological characters, or that these are fables, or that these were perfect people, or they're not. I say this a lot, and I like to make you Christians mad, because I'm one of you, so I can get mad with you. But a lot of you, you probably would have kicked King David out of the church. You probably would have told Peter to get out of here. They weren't religious enough. They weren't good enough, right? They made mistakes, and those mistakes are real. But the mistakes aren't the point. The point is God's interaction with people amongst their mistakes and their brokenness, right? For the purpose of bringing him glory and reminding us who God is and reminding us of who we are in him. And the truth is, guys, they're not perfect people, and you're not perfect people. And so today, so we went through a lot starting the Old Testament. Today we're going to talk about the greatest story in the greatest story. And I wish you guys would see my notes sometimes when I do my normal <laughs> preaching. Oh, so you probably wouldn't, some of you would not be impressed either way. But, uh, and then on Easter, right? Because Easter to me, this is everything. This is why I, everything that I do, why I do, and what I do, it's all about this. Because um, there's nothing here, really. I'm going to tell you right now, there's some verses on here, and we're going to talk. Um, but I want to talk about Jesus. There's a verse in Ephesians, chapter 5, I think it's verse 14. It's not going to be up there. It's just, just for you guys. And, it, and, and Paul kind of references, it could be him, and he says, Arise or awake, O sleeper. And I think about that a lot in the modern church. Right? I know Jesus, so I'm awake. You're alive because you know Jesus, but you might not be awake. And sometimes we fall in this pattern of what it is to be a Christian, and so Easter becomes, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? Looking, looking fly in your nice clothes, right? And having a good meal and spending time with family. And that kind of becomes the number one reason behind it all. And yeah, we'll sing some songs about Jesus, but really it's about that pie and that shirt and that service and let's go home. Arise, O oh sleeper, wake up. It means more than that. And I know my tone sounds kind of serious and sad right now. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. The story, you can't have the joy without the heartbreak. Without the sorrow. Sometimes it's easier to preach to people that don't know Jesus than it is to people that know him. Because we become numb to the truth. We stop hearing it, right? I know it all. So I don't know. I guess I say all that to ask you to bear with me. And wake up, and let's, let's listen to this story for a second. Really listen to it, and view it as this happened. Do you understand? This, this happened. Some of you are going, well, uh, there's no historical evidence. There is. There's more historical evidence for this than 90% of what you believe. 
so in order to talk about Jesus and the story, I want to tell you guys something interesting that I looked up. Do you guys want to know, does anyone off the top of their head, don't cheat? And it's not when he's a kid. Does anyone know the first words that were given of Jesus as an adult? I know you're going to be like, well, which verse? And this is part of the trick, right? Which, which gospel was written first? Anyone know? I know it's tricky, nerdy stuff. Mark typically is what people think, okay? So the first words we get, the first, the beginning of the story, Jesus' is an adult ministry, he says this, Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. <laughs> That's how the story starts. This story starts with him saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. It's near. Repent, turn away, and believe in the good news. The good news is only good if you realize how bad the news is without it. That's the first words. Remember that as we go on. So I'm going to tell you the story. You guys know what happens after this. Jesus, I'm, I'm, he does a lot of amazing things. He teaches us. He tells us what God is like and what heaven is like and what we're supposed to be like and what life was supposed to be like and what life can be like again. He tells us what the kingdom of God is like. Do you know when he's telling you that? He's telling you what it was supposed to be before we got all broken and sinful. That when he says to love your enemy and to love others and to all these beautiful things, like, that is because he's telling us the way it was meant to be before we rebelled. So he tells us, right, he paints this picture of this is what it could be. And then he does these incredible things. One of the first things he does is he touches someone who, who had never been touched, right, a leper after this, and he heals them. And, and he goes into, he stops and he talks to these people that are unimportant, they are unimportant in the scheme of life. If you and I ran across them today, most of them we wouldn't blink an eye at. That's the truth. You can say that you would, and some of you are so, have such great hearts that you would, but most of us wouldn't. And the Lord and Lord of King and Kings, and that's what he said. He did not give you the option that he's a teacher. Do you understand? That's not an option. He said he is the Son of God. So we'll take him at his word, unless you want to call him a liar or crazy. That's the only two. That's only three options. And so he goes, the king of kings, and he, he interacts with these people along the way, right? He does nothing but feed them and teach them and love them and heal them. And they hated him for it. They hated him for it. You want to know how I know we're not too far removed from them? You know how mad we get when someone tells us the truth that we don't want to hear? Where does that come from? All he did was heal us and love us and teach us and show us, and we hated him for it. And make no mistake, we still do it today. We do it. We do it when we don't live like this is real. So I'm skipping all the beautiful parts. I am. There's a lot of beautiful parts in it. He does a lot of beautiful things. And then he's betrayed by a good friend. Who lies about him. And they take him in and they begin to accuse him and they slap him. Imagine me grabbing you right now, some of you, and I slap you around for something you never did. And then they put a crown of thorns on his head and they flogged him, they whipped him, they ripped his flesh off his bones with his lung punctured, 
right? Probably torn up. They make him carry at least a 200, probably two to 500 pound cross. And they hang him in the most uh, cruel, most embarrassing way to kill someone in those times. And they mock him and say, a king of the Jews, and they put it above him. And they let him suffocate under his own weight. This happened. And at any moment, any moment, if he is who he said he was, and he is, he could have stopped it. He told Peter that, right? Peter jumps up. One of the times he's brave, chops a guy's ear off. Weird story. <laughs> like he had terrible aim or he was just trying to make a point, right? He wasn't trying to really kill. <laughs> he says, you don't think I could call on angels right now? No one takes my life from me. I lay it down. So as he hung on the cross and suffocated for hours between two criminals, so much here, guys. I had to delete so much. I had to get rid of so much because I want to tell you it all. But this is important to get to the point. So as he's dying, pick up in Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 37. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, look, he's calling for Elijah. Even as he died, they mocked him. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, offered him a drink, and said, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus breathed out a loud cry, let out a loud cry, and breathed his last and we'll tell you exactly what he said. In the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30, we know what he said right here. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And then Mark 15, 38 tells us what happens. Then the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. Now, I know Christians, you know this, but it's a good reminder. You know, the way the, the, the temple was set up, the closer you got to the Holy of Holies where God's presence was, the fewer and fewer people could go. And really, the only person that could go behind the Holy of Holies, this curtain, was the high priest once a year. And he better make sure that he is uh, taken care of, right? That he's right to give the sacrifice. It symbolized the split, the separation between us and God because of who we are, our mistakes, our sinfulness. No amount of good works fixes it. We were separated and every year, we have a sacrifice had to be given, right? A non-perfect sacrifice. That's why it had to happen again and again for all the sins of Israel. And then this curtain. Do you understand that this actually happened? Imagine that. And it ripped in half. Why? Because God would no longer be separated from his people ever. That we would no longer be separated from God, our creator, by sin anymore. Because the perfect sacrifice had come. It doesn't stop there, though. They went and buried him, right? They took him down. There's a lot of cool things that happened, by the way. I'm a nerd, so I'll tell you. There's, I've said this many times. There's, there's Jewish historians who would certainly have no reason to point this out about what happened, that there was an eclipse, that there were earthquakes, that this all happened. Historical evidence, Roman historians said something happened the time they killed that Jesus guy. Well, they buried him. 
And his followers had lost all hope, right? He was supposed to be the Messiah who would militarily come in, overthrow Rome, save us all. That's what the kingdom of God was supposed to be. But that was small-minded thinking, right? That would have still only been temporary. The kingdom of God is more permanent than that. This is one of those times right now I'm going to stop because see some of you are still asleep. I know. I know this story. Me and God are good. We got our own thing. You've heard this. I've heard this. I mean, me and God got a special understanding. You ain't got no special understanding. There's the Bible, and there's God, and there's you. You either change. That's the only option you got because he ain't changing for you. So wake up. Even if you decide to reject this, wake up long enough to hear this, to make a choice. Well, I'll have tomorrow. No, you don't. You don't. Nothing is promised except right now. Anyway, <laughs> good news is coming, then I'll be happy. Gospel of Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. We get to be told, I, I'm picking different gospels intentionally. It's cool, it's a different version, right? Viewpoints. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. By the way, pause. That happened. Did you know that? Well, somebody moved it. Mm, if you saw this rock, ain't nobody moving it. Okay. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men, this happened. You're standing there looking, going, huh, that's weird. Oh. Two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. Ooh, that's so good. Right? Mufasa. Anyway, he is not here, but he has been resurrected. He has risen. Right? Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Oh, he did say that. He comes back, and there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I'm not, I'm not going to go through today because we don't have time. Jesus talks to all the disciples. He's alive. He says, look at me. Touch these wounds. See me. They, they didn't recognize him completely, though, because somehow his body had been glorified, right? It had been changed. But he came back to them. And in Luke chapter 24, verses 43 through 47, stay with me. Then he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. One story. Remember what I told you guys. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And at the end, chapter 20, verse 31, it says this. But these, meaning these gospels, these things you just told, these are written so that you may believe Jesus is Messiah, the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. You probably wonder what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll explain. This is the greatest story ever told with a two-sentence point. Two sentences. It's a story of life, love. It has miracles, healing, death, and then life again. And it's a story that can be wrapped up in the first words of Jesus and some of the last. Mark 1.15. <laughs> the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. John chapter 20 verse 31. 
But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. That's it. The kingdom of God came near. When we couldn't go to God, God came to us so that we could have life. You think life is just about waiting to die? Some Christians think that, right? Well, that's why you're grumpy. Because you're like, yeah, I'm saved, but life stinks. Someday I'll die. It's more than that. One story, two sentence point, and everything in between. Everything in the beginning when he said the kingdom of God is near. To the end when he says believe in his name and have life. Everything in between. All of it was to bring good news to people who needed it. What is the good news? That the dead can live again. And the hopeless can have hope. And the brokenhearted can be healed. That's the good news. And that we never again, listen to me, you never again have to be separated from God. Ever. Well, what about when I die? What death? You don't die, you just go home. That's good news. Everything in between Mark 1.15 and John 20.31, the brokenness, the pain, everything he suffered was so that we could have life. Wake up. You want to know how some people can be in the most tragic of circumstances and still smile? Because they're awake. They know that this isn't just life, is it? This isn't life. Right? It's this much. Eternity, right? hundred years is this much of eternity. Probably less than that. You can have that kind of joy. Oh, life's hard, Todd. And people get disease and they hurt and money and, uh, and, and masks and uh, all the other stuff. I get it. It is hard. And people are mean. <laughs> people are mean. Christians are mean. It's just, we are, because we're still getting fixed too. But everything, the good news, bring the dead to life, hope to the hopeless, and bring man back to God. That's it. I know. I get it. Some of you, this is your second Easter service. That's awesome. Some of you, my, your fifth maybe, I don't know, right? Some of you are stuffed on pie. That's good. I'm not asking you for me. I don't get a bonus. I don't get, I don't get anything other than, do you ever just sit? I'm talking to you as brothers and sisters and just let yourself really understand what happened. Right? You are alive. No one can take that from you. No one. Joy, you know, some of the young people in the room, you guys are so blinded, man. You have been so fooled. You are so fooled by TikTok and YouTube and all these things to believe that life is something else. You want to know why you're depressed? Because you're putting your hope in something that isn't real. It's not real. Why do you think some of your favorite people hurt themselves? When they had money and fame and wealth and all these things, why did they do it? Because it's not life. 
Jesus is for you too. Not for when you become an adult. Right now. And some of you are too old to know better. Right? You've gotten through life. You know what? Life's gone pretty good for me. Doing it my way. Mm -hmm. Clock's ticking. It is good news that Jesus rose from the dead. Because it proved he was God. And if it proved he was God, then that means everything he told us is true. And that means we have life in his name. Uh, Have you guys let yourself, I'm going to leave you with this and then we're going to do communion. And then we're going to do a few more things. But have you let yourself be thankful today? Take a second and let yourself be truly thankful for the first and the last words of Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. It's still near. It's here. It's already here. You're living it. For all the in-between that he went through. For the fact that you get to read about it anytime you want. And sometimes we don't open that book all week when we can literally read about it anytime we want. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in brokenness. You don't have to live in despair. No, life isn't all peaches and roses when you come to know Jesus. It's not easier, but it's better. Have you let yourself think about that? That you don't have to live in despair? That you don't have to live, some of you, young, old, in between, that you don't have to live breathing, just waiting to die? Because some of you aren't living. You're just breathing, waiting to die. That's another reason you're so grumpy. What's your life been about? The first and the last. You took a first word someday. Do you know that? At some point in your life, you said something for the first time. And someday you'll say something for the last time. Do you want to make the in-between count? Those of you, I don't want you fearful. If you're in Jesus, yeah, celebrate. But let's celebrate. Let's live a joyous life. You know, people that don't know Jesus were like, I don't know why they don't put their faith in Jesus, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> right? Well, of course not. Why was I don't want any grumpy juice, whatever you have. Right? There will come a day when you take your last breath, when it will all end. Will it be the end end, or will it be the beginning of your new life, eternal life? I don't know. So we're going to take this man, we're going to do communion. What's communion? We're going to eat a little wafer, okay? We're going to drink a little juice, and we're going to remember what Jesus did on that cross, that his body was broken for us, and that his blood was shed for us and washes us clean. That's it, guys. And I'll explain that in a minute after communion. For those of you that don't know, I'll make it clear. But for those of you who do, we're doing this together, all right? We do it because Jesus told us to do it in remembrance of him. So... This time is dedicated to that. We ask you guys to come on the outside and then come back to your chairs on the inside so we can control the, the chaos when you're ready. You don't need to do it all at once. Pray. Take your time. But take a second. Breathe. And let yourself think about the first and the last. All right. Um, there'll be some music here, and I'll be waiting for you. <clears throat> All right, guys. Hey, I told you, I want to tell you, um, she's going to play some music now. Um, and I want to take these last, you know, five, ten minutes. Um, for those of you in the room that were in the, in the other camp, so maybe you're in the camp that doesn't know uh, Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him. 
Um, and I used to not know what that meant, right? I didn't grow up in the church, so, like, you, you want me to have a relationship with Jesus. The only relationship I knew was, like, with my girlfriend, and I didn't want that kind of relationship uh, with God. And that's not what it means. In order for you to understand how this is really good news, you got to understand the bad news. And here's the bad news. I'm going to even simplify it more. Um, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. God created everything perfect. It's a fact. Go read in the Gospels what life would have been like if we would have followed him and not rejected him and done what we're supposed to do. It's beautiful. We see glimpses of it, right? see glimpses of it with families and even church sometimes, that beautiful picture. Imagine if the whole world did that. Imagine if there wasn't hate and violence and murder and disease and all those things. How did that happen? That connection between us and him was severed. It's like a root to a tree. It's ripped off. And because of that, we began to die. Period. Now, it doesn't matter how much you take a branch that you've ripped off a tree, right? I can put some, spritz some water on it. doesn't fix it. I can stick it in a cup of water. doesn't fix it. Right? I can put good dirt. I can tape apples to it so it looks like it grows. I can do whatever I want, but it doesn't make that branch come alive. It doesn't. And so that's where we're at. We're the branch. Broken and dying. And the world's going to try to tell you how to be alive again. They're going to tell you to be a good person. They're going to tell you to follow golden, golden rules. They're going to tell you to do this and that. But the truth is, you and I both know we're not very good at even doing those things. And even if we could, we're still dying. So the Bible, I told you, it's really the story of what happens when the creation walks away from the creator. De death entered the world. We're separated from God. Why? Because he is holy and sinless. He can't be in a relationship, that intimate relationship with something that is not holy, right, and that is sinful. He can't. Sn white snowball, mud ball. If I touch it, the snowball is not, not perfectly white anymore. It's the same principle. He can't. It can't happen. And since he's not going to get muddy, He's not going to become a mud ball. He's got to make this mud ball, this branch, clean. But it's got to happen from the inside out. Do you have the ability to clean your insides? You don't. <laughs> so when we couldn't, God did it for us. Jesus Christ, God made man, came down, showed us what it's like. I told you his first words and I told you his last. And everything in between was to get you, by the way, in this room today, to this place right now. You probably heard Christians, right? They're, they're, snoo they're snooty and they're, they're hypocrites, and some of them are. We all are if you're expecting us to be perfect. And there's parts of what Jesus had to say you might not like. That's okay. Sometimes I don't like it. It doesn't make it less true. And so here's the deal. How do we get what he did for us? How do we get the benefits of him dying for us to live? How do we get the benefits of that? When he died on the cross, he took the wrath that was supposed to be for us. Wrath is punishment. All of our bad deeds in that moment were poured on him. And for an instant, he was separated from the Father so that we never have to be. Isn't that crazy? was raised from the dead proved himself to be who he said he was so how do we get that how do I you know you know it so what is it the Bible says this I'm going to make it super simple for you 
Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Period. But Todd, what about all the good stuff I got to do? It's right there in black and white. Are you willing to turn away from your attempts to save yourself, from the way you've lived your life and put your faith in him? What does that mean? You believe him. Does that mean you don't have doubts? No. But you believe him. Some of you are willing to put more trust in a parachute than you are the God of the universe. That's what you right? jump out. I'm going to believe this is going to come out. Confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will be saved. We're going to give you the next few minutes. If you're in the room and that's you, you can leave today knowing that you'll live forever. That you don't have to live in brokenness and shame and, and all of those things. And fear. That you'll be you'll have eternal life and spend it with God in paradise. That's what it says. There'll be people up here willing to pray with you. It's going to feel weird. I get it. I did the same thing as you. But walking 40 feet in front of people that aren't even going to remember it for eternity is a pretty good deal. If you're in this room and need prayer for something else, maybe you're struggling, you're hurting, maybe you're that person that's been asleep and you go, God, I want to wake up. I'm sorry. Take this time. I'll pray with you right now too. Whatever you do, do not leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.